0: Wow, what a beautiful picture of who we are. And maybe as you come into this place, and as you know the history of stained glass was to lead and to engage and to invite people into worship. Maybe as you come into this place, you can allow the stained glass to begin to be a reflection and a mirror of your own life, of your own shattered pieces that God is crafting and putting together. Into a beautiful testimony of His loving grace. And yet I can't help but also wonder if the same metaphor could be used to describe the church. Each one of us in our own way broken and shattered yet together. Converging, if you would. Converging in this place from our different experiences, our different pasts, our different brokenness. And God shaping and forming and molding this community, this fellowship into a beautiful picture of His grace, of His life. So as we consider convergence this morning, let's let this stained glass continue to speak to us and be one of the ways that the Spirit of God ministers to us today and every Sunday. This morning we talk about the idea of convergence through imitation. Have you thought about that word imitate? Now, I go back to the good old days when we grew up in school, at least in my school. It seems like we played Simon Says. I remember playing Simon Says at times. And you're supposed to imitate the Simon, right? You're supposed to do what they do, And I did great until what they said and what they did became different. And then I got confused and typically went out. But Simon Says was a great game of imitation, wasn't it? Is imitation a good thing or a bad thing? Can't help but think of Josh and Lisa as they bring Cole today as we reflect on raising our own children, right? Right? And as we look at them and as we see them do something, as we see our children imitate us, we typically have one of two responses. Wow, you know, that, that's what I would have done. Way to go. That, that's good. Or, oh my, <laughs> that's what I would have done. I, I didn't think you were watching, right? They say something that you think, wow, they really do hear everything that we say imitation can be good or bad the dictionary defines the word imitate as to use someone as a model to adopt someone's behaviors or mannerisms you know imitation can be a good thing the the proverb says imitation is the greatest form of flattery if you want to learn how to in sports a lot of times you want to learn how to to shoot a basket or swing a club or or at a pitch or something, they say, well, imitate this person. Look at the way they do and and look at the way that they uh, conduct themselves or, or do this discipline. And if you'll follow them, if you'll imitate them. And so imitation can become a way of learning. But imitation can also be a way to make fun of, right? One of the definitions of the word imitate is to be ungenuine, to be not genuine. And I think this may pick up on some of the the things that we want to talk about today. Because you see, the idea of convergence towards imitation is this idea of imitating, is this idea, as we'll talk about in just a moment, of imitating God. And to realize that that's not natural for us. That, That may not be genuine to us, but through the spiritual transformation, through the presence of God, through His Holy Spirit in us, we can begin to act in new ways. We can begin to become a new creation that acts differently than the old creation that we are and that we have been. I think the word imitation speaks to purpose. It speaks to initiative in our life. Are we purposing to to change, to imitate, to follow after someone else? You see... Imitation can be one of those ways that God uses to shape and to transform our character. So how do we begin? If we can agree with this idea that we can begin to converge together, and we can converge individually with the different pieces of our lives into one body, into one unity of purpose, then where do we begin? Well, as I suggested, let's begin with God. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verse 1. The Scripture is is very clear. Paul is very direct. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. So how do we imitate God? Well, simply we do the things that God does. And we confess early on that that God, we, we only know God as He reveals Himself to us, as He reveals Himself to us through creation, as He reveals Himself to us through Scriptures. So as we imitate God, we need to understand a little bit about the character and nature of God. We discover very quickly that God is a God of creation. God creates unselfishly. We're told that He created us in His own image. And maybe as we look at life, as we would would look at the way we work, our vocation, the way we invest in our children in relationships with others, we could say, you know, we have an opportunity to join God to be creative in our lives. And maybe we could begin to imitate God in this beautiful, unselfish way. We know that God loves unconditionally. We know that God gives sacrificially. We know that God is a God of redemption. God is a God of salvation. So let's begin to imitate God in these ways. And as we discover God, as we see God reveal Himself to us through through nature, through life, through Scripture, then we would begin to say these are characteristics, these are qualities that we want to embrace and we want to begin to imitate in our own life. Yet some of you would say, but still, God is is mystery. God is mysterious. and, And it's hard to take some of these abstract concepts and begin to make them tangible and to apply them in real life ways. Well, I'm glad you asked that question because we can continue this idea of imitating God as we discover His Son, Jesus, right? And we can begin to imitate Jesus, the Son. You see, we know God best through Jesus. And as we study the Scriptures, as we particularly look at the Gospel stories, we can begin to see more and more about the nature of God, the nature of Christ. And we can begin to adopt and to embrace His ways of life, the truths that He taught and teaches, and adapt them for the way that we live. It's interesting, if you'll turn with me to John chapter 13. We're going to look at at Scripture in various places today. But as we look at John chapter 13, this this powerful, beautiful story of Jesus in the upper room with His disciples. Hours before He was arrested. And this beautiful picture of Jesus, the Son of God, going and washing the feet of the disciples, taking care of their need as they were preparing to, to eat of the Passover meal. And in verse 13, Excuse me, chapter 13, verse 14. Jesus says, If I then the Lord and the Teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. You see, we are to follow the example of Jesus Christ in the way that we live. And as we embrace His teachings, those teachings then become a part of our life And so here we see that Jesus Christ was called to serve. Earlier in John chapter, I believe it's John chapter 10, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10, Jesus says that he came what? He came to serve, not to be served. And so as we would begin to strive to seek after our own Lord and our own Savior, as we would seek to imitate after him, we would say, well, we need to follow the example of Christ. And He left us an example to serve others. He left us an example to wash the feet of others. To meet their needs. And to commit our lives to this. Even in the midst of our own needs. Even in the midst of our own desperation. To wash the feet of others. In John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says this, Truly, I say to you, he who believes in Me, he who trusts in Me, The works that I do, he will also do. You see, we are called to imitate Christ. And as Christ went to serve and to love and to heal and to teach and to minister to those around them, to proclaim grace and to live that out, we too are called to imitate Jesus Christ. St. Augustine. Said that the imitation of Christ is the purpose of the Christian life. In the 15th century, Thomas A. Kempis wrote The Imitation of Christ, considered by some to be one of the most widely read, most widely translated books, even behind, just, just below the Bible. Listen to what he says as he reflects on John 8, verse 12. He writes. He who follows me walks not in darkness, says the Lord. By these words of Christ, we are advised to imitate his life and habits. If we wish to be truly enlightened and free from all blindness of heart, let our chief effort therefore be the study of the life of Jesus Christ. Because as we study and we practice the things of Christ, our own blindness... Begins to dissipate. We begin to see better in the light of Christ. Thomas continues The teaching of Christ is more excellent than all the advice of the saints, and he who has his spirit will find in it a hidden manna. Now there are many who hear the gospel, but often, or hear the gospel often, but care little for it because they have not the spirit of Christ. Yet whoever wishes to understand fully the words of Christ must try to pattern his whole life on that of Christ. You see, these these early fathers of the faith, they understood the importance and the commitment that we each need to make to imitating Christ, to discovering the truths, to studying His Word, of studying His actions, His life, His teachings and then through the presence of the Spirit of God within us, learning how those are to be lived out in the 21st century. But even so, as we read the Scriptures, as we look back and try to understand the life of Christ as He lived here 2,000 years ago, some of us may say, but I need something more tangible than that. I need something more present than that. And so as we see through the writings of Scriptures that we're to imitate God, we're to imitate Jesus, we're also called, and Paul uses this several times, and we see in the book of Hebrews, we're also called to imitate others. We're called to imitate others who are in Christ. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7 says this, Remember those who led you, who spoke the Word of God to you, And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Again, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And there's a couple of Pauline passages that I think really speak to this idea of imitating others as they are in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16, Paul says, Therefore, I exhort you. I exhort you, church at Corinth. I exhort you, be imitators of me. Now, we can look at this in a couple of ways. We can say, well, Paul sure is being awful prideful today. Awful arrogant. Awful self-satisfied. But I think as we understand the context, as we read what Paul's trying to say, he speaks out of a great sense of humility. He speaks out of a love and compassion for those that, that are children of the faith that he has, has helped to lead to know Christ. And as they're struggling and living that out, he says, okay, imitate me. Well, he, he kind of describes that a little earlier. So let's go up a few verses. Let's begin in verse 10. Paul writes, We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but... You are strong, you are, dis, you are distinguished, but we are without honor. He's speaking out of a, a, a voice, a tone of humility. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. By the standards of the world, we aren't much, but we've shared this Gospel. We've shared the riches of God with you. And he continues and he says, and we toil working with our own hands. And then here's, I think, what he's referring to in in verse 16. He says, when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. So what Paul is encouraging, saying to the church at Corinth is, I know how difficult it is to follow after Christ. And we know that there's hardship and there's, there's persecution along the way but you don't have to respond and react as the world does. When you're reviled, when people curse you, when people are critical of you, we bless. When we're persecuted, when we're denied, when we are rejected because of our faith, we endure. When we are slandered, when we are spoken against, when we are lied about, when we are gossiped about, We try to conciliate. Therefore, he says in verse 16, I exhort you, be imitators of me. Discover these truths of Christ, the the teachings of Christ, and commit to living those out and discovering how they're to be lived out in this place. Turn with me now to 1 Corinthians 11. Again, this is a consistent message through Paul's writing, especially this, this writing to the church at Corinth. In chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Be imitators of me. He repeats this idea just a, a few chapters later. Be imitators of me. But he, he in this place, he, he gives a qualification. Just as I also am of Christ. As I follow Christ, see that example in me and you follow in that light as well. But what... What's Paul speaking of specifically? Well, I think the end of chapter 10 tells us. It gives the context in a greater level of what, of how Paul is saying to follow Him. Look at verse 23 and 24. Paul says, All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. And I think what Paul would, would be saying to the church at Corinth, what he would say to us today, is in Christ there's great Freedom. And we are free to do so much in Christ. But we need to understand that just because we can do something, just because we can act out in a certain way, doesn't mean that it's profitable. It doesn't mean that it's the best thing. It doesn't mean that it edifies the body. It edifies those around us. And so what Paul is saying is, follow my example. Act in such ways that are profitable and that edify those around you. Let's continue on, and again, we're talking here in this specific instant about should you should you eat meat, should you, should you drink, and he says in verse thirty one, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do everything, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit but the prophet of the many, so that they may be saved. So what Paul is saying, and then, he, then the next verse, the next, the next stroke of his pen says, imitate me. Well, what do you mean, Paul? He says, imitate me because I, I commit myself, I try so hard that everything that I would do would be to glorify God, would be to edify and to lift up others. Why? Because I'm concerned about others. I'm concerned about the salvation of others. I'm concerned about the faith of others. And so therefore, everything that I do is based upon how are those around me going to respond to the message of Christ. Everything that I do is going to be contextualized into the question, will this help me be a part of the salvation of others? Therefore, imitate me as I commit myself to this way of life. So what does this mean? What is this idea of imitating others? Imitating other believers, other folks in Christ Jesus? I think this is difficult again because of our struggle with with pride. But I think this, this teaching means at least two things. First of all, it asks the question, who in your life is imitating who in your life that you see, that you relate to, is imitating Christ? Who, who are those mentors in your life? Who are those, those men and women in your life that, that have, have advanced, that have, have, have followed Christ in a way that has become an encouragement and notice something that you have noticed? Then I think the Scripture would say, and Paul would say, well then imitate them. Someone who's had victory over an area that you're struggling with. Who's been able to glorify God in their lives through a victory in this area or through a struggle in this area? Paul would say, Well, imitate them. Find out what they did and how they, maybe the process in which they found victory and healing and help. And imitate them. But I think the scripture also asks the question Are you imitating Christ? Are there others who are imitating you? Are there those that you could exhort along with Christ, excuse me, with Paul, and say, I know you're struggling, I know you're having difficulty, but let me come alongside of you and and let me share my example and my testimony and my witness as an encouragement to you? Who is imitating you? Whether you know it or whether you don't, or whether you want them to imitate you or not. Who is imitating you? You see. I think Paul is calling us to the recognition and realization that we are to to choose, to purpose, to imitate Christ, to imitate God. But also in community with one another to imitate each other. Which leads us to this last idea and thought. As a corporate body of Christ, Paul says again and again that we are to imitate the churches of God. God that God's churches are to imitate one another. Turn over to 1 Thessalonians, and and this idea comes clear in in a couple of ways in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 6. And and this is part of this introductory, this greeting that Paul is offering to the church at at Thessalonica. And he says to the church, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the Word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. So, so Paul is saying to the church at Thessalonica, you, you imitated us, we came, we offered a witness, and you began to imitate us. So that, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia because of your faithfulness, because of your commitment as a body of believers, because of your commitment, church at Thessalonica, guess what? The churches in Macedonia and the churches in Achaia have seen your witness and are beginning to follow you. They're beginning to follow your example of how you are the presence of Christ in your community, how you're sharing the gospel, how you're living that out in your community. And then in verse 14, let's look at chapter 2 now, verse 14. Verse 14. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. So then he reminds them of how the churches in Judea have been an example to them. And how as the churches in Judea went through their struggles, how the church at Thessalonica looked to Judea as an example that they could follow after, that they could imitate. You see, even churches are called to imitate and to see what God is doing and how God has worked and ministered and, and been effective in other communities so that the local body, so that churches like ours can be encouraged as we converge and discover in deeper ways what it means to live at our faith together. So what do churches do? What is the example that we're to set? Well, I think first of all, churches offer a, a foreshadowing of the kingdom of God. Now certainly, we're, we're not a perfect people. But we are, rede- we are a, rede- a redeemed people. And we are called to begin to practice and to live out the truths of the kingdom of God in this place. And on those occasions when we get it right, and we do, we become a foreshadowing, a picture of this greater kingdom of God. We're called to be that example in this world. What do churches do? We make disciples. What do churches do? We teach and proclaim the scriptures and, particularly, the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do churches do? We live out in community the teachings of Jesus that exhort us to love, to love God with all of our strength, our heart, and our mind, but also to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We are called to be communities of grace and of redemption. This is what churches are to do. And as we see churches around us that, that do it well, we need to hear their stories and see how we can even follow their example. My question for us then is, who is, who is imitating First Baptist Church? Who are we influencing? Who are we leading? Yesterday morning in the rain, we gathered, there was... Oh, Close to 100 folks or so, maybe a little more than 100 folks that gathered at Bethel Baptist Church for the, the rally of Two Norman with Love. And, and I know many from our church participated that didn't go to the rally. Two Norman with Love was a vision that started here at First Baptist with, with Vicki Riggs and her ministry, and then with Joey as he began to work within the community ministry. And Angela has taken that over. And it's a ministry that was birthed here, but is shared in our community as there were I know there were people from McFarland Church in Bethel, people from First Presbyterian and other churches that were represented as an example to go out into our community and minister and be the presence of Christ. We have a 125th anniversary coming up, and it'll be a time to celebrate the, the kingdom work of this church through the years. But the 125th anniversary can't be just about the past, the 125th anniversary has to be about the future has to be about what the next years and the next generations look like here at First Baptist. We must look forward. And we must offer an example, a witness that's worthy of imitating as we serve as we're the presence of Christ in this place. You see, as we talk about converging as a people, we we must... Accept and embrace this idea of converging through imitation. Imitating God. Imitating His Son Jesus. Imitating others in Christ Jesus. Imitating the churches and communities of Christ where the kingdom of God is lived out faithfully and effectively. Will we commit to this as a church? Will we commit to this as a people? Will we commit to converging Together. and living these truths out. Again, who is imitating you? Who are you influencing? Who are you leading for Christ today? You can understand this in a very active way. And I hope you will. But even if you say you're not going to do this, you need to understand that people are following you. People are being influenced by your example. Again, in... To the church of Thessalonica, Paul writes in Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse seven. He's talking about a certain certain uh, thing that was going on in the church, in a way that Paul and his his guys responded. And he says it like this in chapter in verse seven through nine. He says, "We offered, we, we acted in this way in order to offer ourselves as a model for you, so that you would follow our example." Mom and dad, are you offering a model for your children to follow in Christ? Grandparents, are you offering a model for your children and grandchildren to follow? Are you offering a model in your neighborhood? Are you offering a model in your place of work that others would follow? Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, we offer ourselves as an example for you. Again, 1 Corinthians 11. Be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. We converge with one another as we offer ourselves in relationship with each other as a model and example for life. Let's pray.